the microphone. Hey guys, Trey Llewellyn here with Commerce Kings, episode number two with Alex Sharfin. And guys, you're going to be blown away from what this guy's about to tell you because I was sitting down with Alex just a few weeks ago and in Vegas, actually, of all places. Me and Alex were sitting there and he's like, today I'm going to tell you what, what it means to be an entrepreneur. And I was like, all right, this would be a waste of an hour because I already know what it's like to be an entrepreneur. And, and then, and then I, I'm sitting there in an hour and I'm like, wow, he's... I was so wrong, and he is so right. Little did I know that the second before that Alex came on that I was going to go from knowing what I thought was an entrepreneur to really embracing, I guess you really could say, Alex, uh, what it means to be an entrepreneur. So, guys, buckle up. Get ready to rock and roll. We're going to sit in first class on our way to an unknown destination. We're going to have an hour flight. Alex here, and uh, we're going to have a gentleman's conversation uh, over the next 45, 60 minutes of what it means and what it looks like and what, what you need to like really understand uh, when it comes to being an entrepreneur. So welcome, Alex. Thanks, Trey. I'm so psyched to be here. It's, it's weird that we've only known each other two weeks. It feels far longer than that. It does. We're like best friends. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So I want to I cut right to it, man, because uh, that's, that's the biggest thing is, um, you know, what, what was like the first thing you kind of stood up when you got up there and we're talking and, and saying, hey, this is, you know, I think the biggest takeaway was you're not alone. Is the yeah. So let's, let's dive into that and kind of start your background and, and what, and flourish into that piece. You got it, Trey. Um, I think, it, you know, if we were in first class and somebody asks me what I do, I tell them that I help visionary entrepreneurs recognize that if they lean into their strengths, they won't see their weaknesses. And we help them do those things by creating frameworks that, that allow them to grow multi-million dollar companies. Mm. But because I'm with friends here, my true belief is that entrepreneurs are the most important people in the world. Yeah, and we are the only source of consistent, positive human, human evolution, and we always will be. And when you look at the entrepreneur today, the qualities that we have, who we are and how we are, we do not find favor in the world. And it is much harder for people like us than it is for the average person because when you look at who we are, we're that, that, that individual that's driven to get up, see a better future, then demand it become real. And when we look at the rest of the population, the fact is they strive for average and they cling to the status quo. So we are directly juxtaposed to every other population on earth. And it's really just when we're amongst our tribes that we actually get supported. And we can see this in public. You know, somebody puts on Facebook I got a new job and 300 people say, congratulations. Somebody puts on Facebook, I started a new business and their mom asks, are you okay? <laughs> that, yeah. So, so dive into that more. Like, what do you mean that we're not favorable? Like entrepreneurs aren't favorable. Well, they're not looked on favorably. You know, I think, um, let's be very real about our personality type. You know, we were the kids who asked too many questions, couldn't sit still, wanted to move forward, wanted to change things, improve what was going around, around us, um, you know, and, and essentially make things different. And that, that directly puts us in opposition to certain factions in the rest of the world. See, Trey, I think there's four types of people in the world. And if we slow things down and we look, we can realize that they're there. We recognize them quickly. I'll allow you and everyone listening to self-qualify. Yeah. The first type of person, this is, this is that big group of people that our evolutionary tribe absolutely needed. It's the group of people that like to take care of other people. Now, it's interesting because a lot of people like us will stop me and say, well, I'm, I'm that person, right? Yeah. 
Yep. And, and, but here's what I mean. It's, it's taking care of other people, like changing bedpans, like being the, the person who actually performs the service. You know, when I qualify that with people like us, they, they get say, no, no, yeah, you're right. That's not me. But Trey, there's people out there that if you ask them, hey, do you like to change the bedpan? They will actually explain to you how it makes them feel fulfilled to be there and do the act. And for me, it makes me feel like I should have written a check. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I'm just being honest. I'm not going to BS. Like, I don't want to do it. I agree. Right? And so, so, so qualify. Like, if you're not that person, maybe you're the second type of person, but I doubt it. Not if you're watching us. <laughs> I call these, this group the communicators. Now, now, the communicators are the ones that will talk about anything. Now, did our evolutionary tribe need a unit, need a group that would talk about anything? Yes, we needed somebody to say, hey, you know, the weather's coming. It's going to be bad. Or there's a woolly mammoth over there. Or, don't walk off that cliff or don't mess with that animal. But... The fact is, you know, oral tradition made us survive. And today yeah. when we see that person, I mean, they are willing to talk about anything. Trey, I would guess that you've never initiated a conversation about the weather unless there was an outcome like you needed to know what to wear. Because for me, it's like, I'll, I'll know when I walk outside. If we're going to talk about it, we're just wasting time. Uh, to, be, to be frank, that was like the number one thing uh, when I went into insurance, like when I was in insurance, they're like, oh yeah, the first question you should always ask like when you call them is, how's the weather? And that was so hard for me, even to this day, like when, like, great, great uh, analogy here is like when the, when the, um, see, I don't even know what it's called, the FB, uh, the football games, right? The, the biggest one that happens, right? Like, if someone's like, oh, did you see the game last night? Actually, oh, I didn't. No doubt. You know, what was the score? I have no clue. Who won? Right. Who, I don't even know who was playing, right? And so, but yes. that, that's just me. And so, yes, I am not uh, number one. I am not definitely number two. So continue with number three. Well, and, and, you know, for number two, like, let's be real. It's the person who loves small talk. Yeah. And, and you know, you talk to someone like us and small talk is like, you know, I, I can go and walk in front of a 10,000 person crowd. I can be in front of millions of people on TV. I've done both. And, and I broke a sweat. Like, I'm not going to tell everybody I was perfectly calm or anything, but I almost had a nervous breakdown going to like open house night. Yeah. Where I had to talk to other people about the weather because I, I just, I can't focus. I can't do it. And so, mm-hmm. so the third group of people, now, if we're going to really clash, we clash with these guys. I call them the organizers and the memorizers, and you know who they are. It's probably not you if you're listening to us. And Trey, it's certainly not you. I've heard you enough to know because these are the people who embrace fine print. They love the rules. They volunteer for the freaking homeowners association. They want to be the people involved in the committee. They want the prestige of a title. They want to be able to say they are a such and such. And they want that, that false authority of having the thing. And you know, when you, when you look at organizers and memorizers, if you want to see like a place where we clash, it's right there because Mm -hmm. when you look at this evolutionary tribe, did we need organizers and memorizers? Yes. Because people like you and I would forget it was winter. Uh-huh. And we would be naked and we needed them to tell us. But today, when we look at the tribe, we have the people who take care of people, the talkers, the organizers, the memorizers, just to make sure, Trey, not you, right? Nope. <laughs> well, what's left? It's the people who have to go out and kill shit. The hunters. Mary hunters. No, hold on first. I think you have a story. I want to hear the story because I thought it was hilarious. I want to hear a story about what is an organizer like? Tell me what it means to be an organizer uh, that, that, oh, that, that runs around. But I think it, it dealt with a flight, maybe. Man. So I, I, you know, the, the units downstairs, if I was wireless, I'd take you guys down and show you. I, you know, I, 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 um, I'm, I'm pretty uh, active. And so from time to time, I get injured. And I dislocated or I, I ripped my bicep. And it ended up up in my shoulder. 
So I had a bicep muscle in my shoulder and I was trying to rehab it as fast as humanly possible because I believe in full recovery, but as fast as you can. Sure. And so I bought this unit called a Game Ready and it does ice and compression and it, you basically carry it around. It's a medical device and it has a battery. And I had flown like 11 times with it because I wore it every day, almost all day, even when I was sleeping. And I get on an American Airlines flight and the, the steward, or the, the flight attendant comes up to me and she like, she said, Hey, have you checked it with the cap, the captain on that? And you know, do you have it registered and all that? And I'm like, no, I've flown with it, you know, 10 times. I flew here. I'm in Arizona. I flew here on an American Airlines flight. Nobody said anything. And, and she was like, well, you know, I just don't know. I'm going to have to go talk to someone. She left. I pulled up the company's website or I pulled up like American Airlines game ready. And there was pictures of the game ready unit on an American Airlines plane. So I showed it to her. I'm like, look, they're showing that we can come on your plane. And so she came back like 20 minutes into the flight and she had turned to page like 97 of American Way magazine. Now, now you probably don't even know this exists, but it's this page of like four point type. And she comes up and she's like, look, I need you to see rule number 37. And it said like, any external battery source must be checked with captain and register. And I'm like, how in hell would anyone like no one's ever read that page getting onto the flight. Never. <laughs> not in the history of American airlines. She found it. She found it. So that's an organizer and a memorizer. And Absolutely. you know, Trey, it, when you look at who we are, like let's, let's now let's unpack it backwards because why yeah. do we have conflict mm -hmm. you know, and, and why sometimes does it feel like I'm saying it's us against them? And I want to make myself clear. It's not always us against them. You yeah. know, there, there are people in every one of those groups that, that, you know, we can get along with. But when you look at the extremes of everyone, they can't stand us. Mm -hmm. They want to legislate. They want to, you know, illegalize. They want to put roadblocks in place, red tape, slow us down, bureaucracy, make it so that we can't do what we want to do because they want everything to stay the same. And the fact is, we're the evolutionary hunter. And yeah. When you look at who we are, you know, and I know you've woken up every single day of your life. Once that fire kicked on, you wanted to get over the next mountain. And just like me, every time you're approaching a milestone, a goal, something you set up for yourself, it loses importance because we are hardwired to go right back on the hunt. And why do I say we're the evolutionary hunter? Because we are the only population on earth who has the vulnerability and the fortitude to get up in front of the rest of the world and say things should change. They can be better. They will be better. And I will make them so because that opens us to criticism and to abuse and to bullying and to name calling and to belittling like no other population on earth. And the only way we would be driven to do that is if we were chemically hardwired to get up go chase an outcome and make sure this tribe survives. So like this hits hard because there's, there's a lot of like, I get, I get this question. I don't know how many times uh, in throughout the months and throughout the years is the number one question I get is why are you so happy? Like how, how do you wake up so freaking happy? Like Jared's over here laughing at me right now. And so it's like, cause no one knows. And then to how are you always in a good mood? And I've never thought, I don't think I've ever seen Trey in a bad mood. Like how does that happen? And when I get that question, I say, the only time that I get uncomfortable is, is at funerals. Because at a funeral, uh, you, you, you're supposed to be like, you know, like, like no sensitivity, right? Like no smiles, no gestures, just like, I'm very sorry for your loss. Like, but I have the, like, that is the hardest thing for me to do because I want to be there smiling and you can't smile at a funeral. Like, that's not good, right? And so 
when you said this, when you were like going through this piece, you said a really big thing that hit me really hard, uh, actually in Vegas was, you know, when you're out hunting, like when you, when you are a hunter and you're out hunting and someone like dies on the, like, you don't have time to be like, well, hold on, everybody stop. We gotta, we gotta, you know, hold on here because you gotta go hunt. Like you gotta go save the tribe. Like you can't slow down. And I was like, whoa, maybe that is why I'm so uncomfortable with that piece because I am hardwired as a hunter. I'm hardwired to go out and fight the fight and, and not really, you know, take like these little pieces of, of town. You know what I'm saying? No, like, I totally know what you're saying. So here's, 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 what, here's what I believe about people like us, Trey. Yeah. You know, we're, we're not just different. We are the entrepreneurial personality type. We are physiologically sensitive, momentum-based beings. We, we, we have attributes that make us magical, but they can also make us look completely broken. And oh, I don't yeah. think people like you and I understand the difference between happy and sad. Now, I know that makes me sound like a nut job, but here's what I mean by that. I know that we've all figured out the corollary, like happy and sad. Happy's on, sad's off. But if I say, what's the difference between sad, frustrated, picked off, pissed off, ticked off, confused, angry, and just plain not going to talk to you, what's the difference? (laughs) Right? I mean, here's what I know. For people like us, if somebody says irritated, all we're trying to do is translate it into what's really going on. Mm -hmm. And when I name off all those feelings, you know, people like us don't have a freaking clue. The fact is, like, we've all been told we don't feel right. Like, Trey, how many times has your confusion been mistaken for anger? How many times have you been irritated, been called isolated? How many times have you just trying to get something done, been called? You know, you're putting, you're putting other people off. You're being aloof. When you're hyper-focused, how many times have people called you conceited or arrogant or aggressive? Am I right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, it lines up. It's amazing. We're, we're constantly told we don't feel right. And how many times in your life have you heard, Trey, can't you just slow down? Can't you just take a seat? Hey, Trey, you're at the solution. We didn't know there was a question. Uh, oh, Trey, why are you feeling so excited? Trey, why aren't you more excited, right? Like, why in hell does everybody always want us to get into this magical world of feelings? As far as I'm concerned, they're great for Disney movies. Anything else, they're useless. Yeah. The fact uh, is, go ahead. I'm, I'm totally, yeah, you're totally like feeling this, like you're hitting so many points. Like we got, we just got a puppy, uh, like, like two or a week ago now. And I come home and I'm like, Oh, the puppy's here. Like, that's cool. And Jennifer's like, I thought you'd be more happy. <laughs> and I'm like, I am happy. Like, this is amazing. Like, this is cool that we got a puppy, but it's like, it's a puppy. Like it's there, you know, it's cool. And it's just interesting. Like how you say that is, is, People want you to have like different attitudes and you're right. It's like, it's like, I know the difference between happy and sad. I have, I happen to be always happy and excited and like, let's go freaking like I'm motivated and I'm hyperactive. I'm ready to rock and roll. And it's so funny because when I'm thinking of thoughts, I'm three layers deep into that thought, uh, to where I'll, I'll, I'll say, uh, like, yeah, I think we should do the red one. And they're like, red one, what red one of what I'm like, Oh, I'm sorry. Hold on. Let me back up. And then I have to like keep pressing through there. And you've, you've hit on that earlier a little bit of how we have like these four different uh, personality types, like one, two, three, and four in the world, the world, as, as you've said this, I'm just, this is just me repeating you because as the world sees it, one, two, and three are normal. And so yeah. there's nothing to do with those people. But when it comes to the fours, us, they're like, we have to sedate them. We have yep. to give them medicine. We have to uh, like put them in a different room and treat them different because they're the crazies of the world. Like you said, like tapping your pencil and, and like always distracted. Like, oh, I'm always, you know, I'm always over here because there's nothing to pay attention to 
that's keeping my mind, uh, you know, on, on, on point. And so I have to rely on my own mind to keep me ultra focused and ultra just like, like, dude, the, the amount of stuff that I think about just on a, like, I'll give you a great example. We are at the, we are at the Lake of the Ozarks and we're, we have a, uh, we have a dock and the dock goes like this. It's a foldable dock. So if you want to put the jet skis lay on it. And so when you want to put the jet skis in the jet, the thing, uh, let's air out and it goes like this Alex and it goes down and so anyways we had it barely down so water was coming in and out and I'm sitting there and I'm I'm in like like I get in like this focus like I kind of look like this like and so and Jen knows Jen knows that look that's that she, future focus right future focus and she's like what are you thinking about and I look at her I was like you don't even want to know and she's like no I really do and so I was like well okay so I'm looking at the water coming in and out of the out of the grates of the of the of the dock and I'm wondering, now there's a mathematical equation that if we were trying to mimic this on a computer, like that would have, that, that equation would have to be calculated through, through bits and, and, and bytes and stuff like that. But the world simultaneously throughout the entire universe calculates like at, a, at an infinite level, right? Like somehow a calculation is happening, but it knows how to do it. Like how crazy is that? And about that time I lost her. And I was like, I told you, you didn't want to know what I was thinking about, but it's so absurd. Like that's what my mind's thinking about when maybe someone who was sitting right next to me was thinking about the next beer they're going to drink. Right. Well, you see the world in equations, right, Trey? Uh, yeah. A lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Well, but that's, but see, that's, that's interesting that you say that because great people like us throughout time have been those who created the equations, even though they didn't know math. <laughs> you know, Einstein failed algebra twice. But he's responsible for the theory of relativity because he saw the world in equations. And when you look at people like us, we don't have this happy, sad, all that stuff. We have one thing. We're looking to be in momentum. And what I've heard you say is that you live in momentum. You're in that place where yep. you're achieving, you're doing things, you know the outcome you're going towards, and you know you're making progress. And for people like us, here's what I know. Trey, when you're doing that, do you feel physically boosted? Oh, like, like I'm in my, like, it's, it's bliss, right? I'm right. here. And so, so it's, I'm just like, it's, I'm so it's cognitively boosted. Yeah, of course. And, of course. and chemically boosted. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm, my chem, my chemicals are always, uh, always like, like I always have good chemicals, right? Like right. I, watched, I watched like a documentary about one time of like how meditation can shift. Like they did these brain weight or brain scans or whatever. It was like green and red, red's bad, green's good. And after meditation to someone who's always depressed, um, after like 20 minutes, it like her brain turned 90% green versus it was like, I think 50, 50, like 50 red, 50 green. Like it was amazing. I was like, holy smokes, meditation works. And so we're going to try that out. And so, uh, but yeah, it's like the same thing as I'm, I'm very fortunate. Maybe I'm very happy that I'm always, I guess that's a constant meditation almost like that's just always having. And maybe that's where it's from is that cognitive thinking to where I'm always in that nice bliss thought pattern to where it's always making my chemicals in that green pattern versus the red pattern. Cause the thing is like, dude, here's another crazy, like we're just spitting facts today. So another crazy thing I learned was at nursing homes, old people don't get mad. They don't get upset. They don't get angry in the, and they did a big research on this. I don't know if you know about this, but they did research. They're like, why don't you get mad? Like, why don't you get angry? And they, they go, I don't have time. I don't have time anymore. And so the same thing is, is I think it applies to us is I don't have time to be sad. Like, I don't so have to stay in momentum. I just want to be in momentum. Like, I'm yeah. ready to go. Like, why are we being sad, guys? Like, okay, uh, the, there's spilt milk. Let's clean it up and let's move on. 
Yeah, Trey, what you've learned is how to automatically go there. And what most entrepreneurs don't realize is that it's all about being in momentum. And then if we stop letting other people take us out, then we'll go forward. And here's what's interesting. There's three states for people like us. Happy, sad, frustrated, pissed off, ticked off, all that stuff. Forget it. You're in momentum. Mm-hmm. Or you're facing resistance, which is the second state. That's when like the world conspires against you. Stuff stacking up. You don't have the right resources. Don't have enough time. But you can see a light at the end of the tunnel. Yep. The rest of the world is saying, hey, it's a train. But you go towards it anyway. And you create momentum again. When we're facing resistance, that's like when we create our lives. Like I heard you tell a story about facing resistance, creating a new outcome. Facing resistance, creating a new outcome. That's all you can do. Yep. Now, now what happens to people like us, though, Trey, we're not at all as fortunate as you and I are, you know, I, I, in fact, I went through long periods of my life where I couldn't access momentum. I'd get to this place where I felt stuck. Like I felt like I couldn't go forward. I didn't see the outcome. Mm-hmm. And that's the third state. It's like being in full constraint. And for me, full constraint, my body starts breaking down in about two or three hours. Mm-hmm. Cognitively. I can't think clearly. I get panicky. I feel all overwhelmed you know, and then chemically I'm all jacked up and, and trade. This is how it happens for people like us. Like that full constraint. I just had a client on one of our group calls this week, talk about it. So he, um, he's growing a company fast. He just had his first hundred thousand dollar year. And then he just had his first hundred thousand dollar month. Then he just had his first hundred thousand dollar week. And it happened all within 12 months. That's crazy, right? Crazy, crazy. I mean, I just got a little overwhelmed talking about it. I've done stuff like that before and it's overwhelming. And Mm -hmm. uh, he was just sharing this week how he had had a bad day. He had a bad day. And here's (laughs) what a bad day was. A bad day was like two or three emails in the morning that weren't right, you know, that people that didn't go well, a, a, a deal falling apart. Two of the people that were working with him didn't do what they were supposed to do the day before. And like, it was enough to where he had a full blown panic attack. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he just, and, and here's, here's, you know, if you, if you haven't had one of these, you probably haven't been in the game that long because it happens to all of us. Like you can be walking along perfectly fine. And all of a sudden, here's what happens. We're evolutionary hunters. There's a switch yeah. that flips in our body. It kicks into oh. fight or flight mode and evolutionarily we would go kill shit. But today you go into fight or flight mode and here's what you have. You have like an iPhone and a microphone and a computer and fight or flight causes you like all that energy goes somewhere and it comes out in sweat and in tremors and in shaking and in headaches and in eye twitches and in heart palpitations. And it's happened to all of us. I was just listening to self-made man, my, my really good friend, Mike Diller, who I'm talking to next, um, in, interviewed Bedros Koulian and what an amazing interview. Bedros went through his first panic attack and, and I've had him so many times like I, I remember walking out to my car and uh, it was a day where we had found out we had over a million dollars embezzled um, probably a month before I was working with the secret service. So I had dudes showing up in my office every day with guns, which that's always awesome. I had to invite the IRS into my business for a voluntary audit because I got embezzled. So not only do you get embezzled, you get to hang out with IRS agents in your office and they're special agents. So it's IRS dudes with a gun. Who needs that, right? And then I walk in one day and we had been attacked. Our servers had been attacked overnight. And out of our entire raid, two drives were left out of six. So we had lost data. We had lost backups. We lost all kinds of stuff. And I was walking out to my car and I remember putting the key in the car. And when I went to turn it, I had this pain shoot all the way up my arm. And and I felt like I was having a heart attack. 
And I remember like acid coming up in my throat, heart palpitations. My eyes started watering. I got a little dizzy. And then I like started to recover from it. And I realized it was my right arm and the left arm is the heart attack. And it like, and I knew what it was because I'd worked with entrepreneurs for so long. It's just this massive panic attack. And, uh, it, it, you know, for people like us, if, if we're evolutionary hunters, mm-hmm. you have to pay attention to your body. It's incredibly adaptable. You know, every, like I used to weigh 300 pounds, almost 300 pounds. And, you know, today I, I won Austin's Fittest Entrepreneur in 2012. I, you know, I, I, I help other people get in shape. Um, I was just recently introduced as one of the leading biohackers on the planet. I don't look like I used to look. But today, everything that you see is an adaptation. Naturally, the way that I came out, the way I grew up, I was a soft, chubby kid. But we're highly adaptable. Evolutionary hunters become what they need to be. That, yeah. And like, so speaking of that, uh, you, you, uh, you implanted a, a really heavy seed and like it grew like a sprout in like the first night. It was like, like, it was like, whoop, like whoop. so, and what that was, I'll, I'll share that is you, you were looking at me and you know, I was, I was, I was kind of making fun of you and I was like, Oh, well, you know, cause you're like, eat, eat this and do this. And I agree that you need to have like all the, all the things in place, like, you know, spiritual, uh, fitness, uh, you know, all, all financial relationship, all that good jazz to have in, 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 in spec. But the thing was, was like, what I didn't have in check was, uh, as best as I should. And still, you know, still this day, it's like, geez, but is, is physical, right? Like I need to be in, in top t- you know, top shape, physical shape. And it's like, how do you do that? And you, you summed it up in like one sentence and you you go, you're a million dollar racehorse. You're a million dollar racehorse. And I was like, and that seed right there, like planted in me so heavily. And I was like, he is so right. Like I wouldn't feed a corn dog to a racehorse. I would, I would make sure that dang horse is up at 5am running laps and I'd make sure he's eating, eating a, a strict diet because if I own a million dollar racehorse, then I, my, my money is in that horse, right? Like that horse needs to go out and perform, but yet I'm the racehorse and I'm the one that needs to perform, but yet I'm feeding it corn dogs and I'm not working out and I'm not taking it seriously. And it's like, why would I treat that racehorse any different than the racehorse that I am? And that seed that you planted, man, like it has resonated. I've told people about that. And, and I've like, and I've called them racehorses. I'm like, I'm not just a racehorse. You're a racehorse and you need to treat yourself better because you wouldn't feed a racehorse that. And so I don't know. That was just like one of those things that I really needed because it just made absolute 100% sense. And I just like the word evolutionary hunter. Like that, that just rings. I don't know how long it took you to come up with that, but that is amazing. And, uh, and I think it's great. So, so I thank you for that. Like you, that pivotal point changed my life. Uh, going forward because now every time that I see a pizza, every time that I see a soda, every time I see, you know, some sort, I'm like, would I feed a racehorse that? Absolutely not. What would I feed a racehorse? I would give them protein. I'd give them, you know, the right, the right stuff, the water of all things, you know? And so it's, it was just amazing. And I appreciate you for that. No, it's my pleasure, Trey. You know, here's, here's, I'll share with everyone why I say that. Um, I've worked with some of the most successful people in the world. I still do. And there is a dividing line between those who create significant long-term momentum into the nine and 10 figure range and those who don't. And those who do are the ones who lower pressure and noise in their life habitually, obsessively on a day-to-day basis. And they also understand that pressure and noise can come from anywhere. So the more physically fit we are, 
the more ready we are to show up, the more, the better we sleep, the better we, we recuperate, the better we hydrate, the better we actually respond. You know, when you look at Richard Branson is almost seven year old kite surfing. There's a reason he's doing that stuff. It's not just for the pictures. He's doing it to stay young, to stay fit, to stay an evolutionary hunter. And when you look at aging billionaires today, they all look 20 years younger than they are. And it's not just the plastic surgery. For some of them, it is. But for a lot of them, it's they are obsessed with staying in shape. There's a reason like Bill Gates had 16 water filters in his house. He obsessed about hydration. If you look at the number of entrepreneurs throughout history who have been obsessed about breathing, hydration, nutrition, and movement, it's crazy. You know, Einstein used to do all types of breathing exercises to wake up his brain. Tesla used to curl his feet at night because he thought it made him more creative. Like they figured out we are evolutionary hunters and our body is the instrument through which we create our future. You've mentioned quite a few uh, names so far, like Einstein, Tesla, uh, Richard Branson. How do you know all that stuff about those guys? Oh, dude, Trey, um, <laughs> when I was younger, uh, I was always the really super awkward kid. Like, you've been around me. I'm awkward now. But when I was younger, I was ridiculously awkward. And um, I was the cool awkward kid. Yeah, I was never that. <laughs> no, one, no one wants to hang out with you, but you're cool. And you're <laughs> yeah. at the same time, like, eh. Yeah, I was, I was just like the, the, the separated from the, the rest of the herd kid, you know, I, and I got separated a lot. I was separated for special education. Then I was special. Then they put me in gifted and talented. Then I went back to regular school, then gifted and talented. I was super confused and I didn't really have a peer group. So I read like crazy. And when I was really young, I started reading self-help books. And the problem is, is you read like the first 10 and number one is conflicting with number seven and 10. And so I got confused in that world fast. It was hard to figure out like who to believe and who not. And so as a kid, I just started studying successful people and I obsessively read about successful people. Anywhere there was a life story, a biography, a, an autobiography, journals, uh, notes, um, anything that they had written, I, I just, I went and I wanted to see and, and I was looking for the patterns that create success. I was looking for like, how did these people become so extraordinary? What made them so different? What made them so special? And um and I'm a little obsessive, you know, I, I, I started with maybe a hundred or 200 and I kept reading and, and you get through the first thousand or 2000 and, and you start just seeing clear patterns and the entrepreneurial personality type came out of primarily that research. And then the time I've spent around successful people, because here's what you want to believe, or here's what you're led to believe is that there's these people in history that had these extraordinary strengths that showed up and changed the world. And here's what you find when you read is that, you know, society has this, this ridiculous equation today that if you don't look like everyone else, you don't talk like everyone else, walk like everyone else, read at the same time and socialize the same way, you're broken, you need to be medicated, and we need to somehow make you like the herd. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the fact is, that is just trying to make everyone average because brilliance looks different. Every great visionary was crazy until they sold something. The fact is, if you look throughout history, Everyone I've named and everyone I will name didn't look like everyone else, didn't talk like everyone else, read like everyone else, you know, grow up like everyone else or socialize the same way. And that is the equation that, it cr that creates brilliance. Einstein today would have been called autistic. He didn't talk until he was four. Branson is completely and totally dyslexic. I had lunch with Damon John. He turned to me and holds up a menu that had maybe 50 words on it and said, this would take me 45 minutes. What are we eating? I handed it to Katie because I keep cursive. I'm dyslexic. And so she told us what was for lunch. But the guy is partners with, with 
Samsung, which is the Korean government. So Damon John and the Korean government, like, dude, dyslexic, can't even read, can't even read his own books. So when you look throughout history, the people who in fact changed the world are exactly the ones that the rest of the world is trying to medicate, medicate, legislate, and diagnose out of existence. Trey, I've been called ADD, ADHD, bipolar, manic, depressed, uh, all kinds of shit, dyslexic, dysmorphic, dysgraphic. And, and when, you, when you look at that list of garbage, what it really is, is it's an industry mm-hmm. that has created pills that mask a set of what they call symptoms. But what I will tell you right now, are exactly the things that make us change the world. The fact is is that Einstein would have been on so many different medications. It was ridiculous. He failed algebra, and it was in the class that he was not listening. He was in the future thinking about something else that he thought, what if I was the beam of light in front, or what if I was in front of the beam of light that just reflected off that clock? What would happen to time? And that was the beginning of the theory of relativity. If you don't pay attention, you're called a daydreamer. You're not called a visionary. Right. Yeah, that's huge. I, I want you to say that again. That if you don't pay attention, you're called a daydreamer, not a visionary. And the fact is that every person in history that changed the world had attributes that today society sees not only as a weakness, but society has created labels like OCD and obsessive and compulsive and, and hyperactive and defective and, and disordered. And I've heard all of those things about me. And here's, here's what's interesting is, you know, I have all of those diagnoses yet. I help some of the most successful people in the world create even more momentum and build massive teams. I'm dyslexic yet. I've written 4 million words that have been published, including a book that's been read by thousands of people. You know, you, you look at these labels and, and here's what I want everyone listening to know. It doesn't matter what someone's told you. It doesn't matter what diagnosis you have. It doesn't matter what anyone said. It doesn't matter what you feel is holding you back. There is someone in history just like us that has had that happen, has had the diagnosis, has overcome it, and has gone on to change the world, and you can too. You know, I I recently met a guy named John Morrow, and what an inspirational dude. I I had a Zoom call with him recently, and um, he has, he's one of the top bloggers in the world. He, um, He has trained thousands of people how to become bloggers. He has about a seven person team over a seven figure company and all he can move is his face. The rest of his body is totally paralyzed. He map- navigates the entire world through a straw, including answering his phone, driving his cart, uh, sending text messages, answering emails, all of those things. Navigates and his life through a straw. Through a straw. Can only move his face. If you look up John Morrow, he'll blow you away. But here's, here's why I bring that up, Trey. Because throughout history, people like us have been labeled as defective, broken, throwaways, put them in the corner. There's something wrong with them. And the fact is, is if you look at every person in history who changed the world, every person in history you remember that matters to you to be remembered. And for each one of us, it's someone different. I've named some of mine. You know, Socrates, Plato's, the guy who, the guys who sat around and asked too many questions, Pythagoras, the, the, the guy who went to his death for math, you know, Einstein, who, who started as a physicist and became one of the world's greatest philosophers. Like these people changed my life. And if you think throughout history of everyone who matters to you and anyone today who matters to you that you look up to as a leader, they are just like us. Mm-hmm. And so for anyone who's felt like this, for any of you who felt like this, I just want you to, to go with one message. There is nothing wrong with you and 
you are not alone. Once you figure out you're part of this evolutionary tribe, here's what you know. You're not isolated. You're not alone. You are not a party of one. You're part of the most important club in history. It's time to show up to blow up. <laughs> no doubt. You know, dude, like, I don't know about you, but I get like, I've gotten goosebumps three times during our, our conversation so far. Like, it's just because it's real, right? Like this is, it's, it's solid. It's, it's legit. You've done, you've done your homework and you've been, you've been doing this. This isn't something you read off Google a couple of days ago and, and came no. to talk about, you know, like <laughs> this stems, this stems all the way down from your childhood, from, from just reading about successful entrepreneurs. And, and it's just absolutely like just mind blowing to know how an entrepreneur should stand. And like I said at the beginning of this, this, uh, you know, this recording is, Hey guys, like you thought you were an entrepreneur or you thought what an entrepreneur was, but not until you met Alex. And that was my same, my same kind of takeaway is like, Holy smokes. Like they're like, you're just pulling out the stuff that's obvious, but not, uh, known if that makes any sense. You know, like it's really hard to, to take what you've done and, and take it out and put it into pieces, but you've done it so well that it's like, it totally makes sense. It's like, oh yeah, he's right. But it's, it's that, I love going back to the hunter piece. What, let me ask you a question because I've never asked you this before. What do you think about the people who are, you know, the ones that are changing the bedpans, right? Or the ones who are the communicators or the other, the ones that are the organizers, the ones, twos and threes, because I've seen this and it's interesting because those people, they see entrepreneurs, and they get a little tickle. They get a little spark. They get a little something that kind of like drives them a little bit. And they're like, oh, maybe I, maybe I want to be someone who is an entrepreneur, such as, you know, go out and do my own thing. And they start to like try and do it, but they keep getting pulled back. Have you ever seen or have you ever seen that? Or have you ever like what, what, what opinions or observations or uh, ideas could you give someone who maybe is a one, two or three? And they're like, oh, that is totally me. But I want to be a four. Like I'm, I want to be a hunter. Like, yeah. What, like, how's that work? Well, here's, here's how I see that, Trey. So, so I'm, I'm going to kind of give you, like, first the theoretical way that I see the world. When I, when I look at that world out there, you know, I, I think that some of us, some evolutionary hunters, are, are just not awoken yet, you know, and we bought into the systems of the world because here's what we know has happened evolutionarily. Hmm. The, 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 the systems created by the other three categories I told you about are far more powerful than the systems created by us. Let me show you. Tell me, what is the system in the world that evaluates human strength? Because here's what I know. If you look at psychology, psychiatry, medicine, anywhere, what they do is they evaluate deficit. And they label and they create conditions around deficit. The DSM-5, which is the psychology manual, is this thick. Now, you look at the entrepreneurial equivalent, strengths finders is this big. <laughs> because the rest of the world loves that shit. Like I, they obsess over the fine print. Strength finders is our Bible. That's theirs. And so you look at the difference between thinking and the systems out there are much stronger for them. And so we might even buy into them. Like I've, you know, I've met guys who used to be accounts or attorneys. My friend Robin Sharma was an attorney. He was in the world of the organizers and the memorizers. He said he almost died, you yeah. know? And, and when you look at it, here's what I think happens is that, there's this crowd out there and being in the crowd is comfortable. Mm -hmm. Being in the crowd is safe. Wearing the latest fad is easy. Striving for the status quo is, is, is what everybody does. You know, keeping up with the Joneses, doing what your neighbor's doing, like falling into the herd. 
Mm-hmm. And, and the thing about it is, is that there's people who just don't want to in this lifetime rise out of it. But if you're in that crowd, if you're in that herd and you're thinking you want to do something different, here's what I've found is that there's really only one thing that drives us out of that condition. It's figuring out who we want to help. What leadership do we want to assume? What movement do we want to create? Who matters to us? Mm-hmm. And then we will go out and do what we need to do. So the way that you separate from the crowd is you figure out who you want to serve. Because if you're coming out of the crowd trying to create a widget, you're going to have a hard time. Yes. But if you're coming out of the crowd trying to make a difference, things will start showing up for you. I think that's a good point you made right there. Uh, Cause I, I'd like to go a little bit deeper into that. Who you want to serve Versus, you know, creating the next widget, like the next coolest pin, you know, yeah. uh, or, or whatever device you have or next shoe. Because but unless, unless you're creating a pen for a market that you know you care about, you're obsessed over, and you know they need exactly that pen, then go for it. But yeah, you know what I'm saying. I do. I do. And that's why I want to go a little bit deeper into it. Because, like, you could have a job right now, and maybe the job, like insurance. Okay, I'll, I'll take that for example. An insurance agent is, is on, the, on the, the edge of an entrepreneur. Like, I, no still, I still worked for a company, but I had no hours. So it was up to me to show up to work every day. Uh, I made no hourly. So it, it means that I had to keep business rolling in for me to keep eating every night. And I had to do staffing. I had to, you know, open the doors every day. I had to close them. I had to make sure the computers were running and kind of hold all those hats. But yet it was a job. And yet the, the checks did come in securely from a, you know, a corporate check, which feels good. I was still, so I was like, I was like on that edge, right? It's like, in between. Yeah. I was in between. And, but yet I had that inspiring feeling inside me. Like there's something more that like I had that fire, that inner fire that was like burning in my soul. And I was like, gosh, there's something else, but I didn't know what. And I think that is the hardest pivotal point in a lot of people's lives is they do feel that fire. They feel that inspiration, but they don't know what they want. They don't know where they want to go. Like, is it selling a widget or is it, you know, creating a funnel or is it, you know, building an e-com store? Is it selling on Amazon? Is it, uh, you know, doing Shopify or is it something way different? Like importing uh, teddy bears from Africa, like that happens, right? So, so So going saying that, it's like, okay, you made it a lot simpler. It's like first, first find who you want to serve and then find out like through ask campaigns, what those people are looking for, what they're looking to have. No and question. That's an easy way to serve them. Right. And, and I think that's a really cool way to go about it because a lot of people read these books of like finding their why finding, you know, what their drive is like getting inspired. Like Gary Vee always talks about finding your why or, or getting, getting just jacked up and like, you know, set that fire ablaze, you know, let it go. But like we can do that, but we don't know where to go. You know, it's like, I do know what I want to be an entrepreneur, but I don't know what, I don't know what kind. And so I, I feel people there and I think you answered it for them and myself included is find the people you want to serve first. You know, in my case, I, I, to think about it, I served my brother. So it was a person of one. It was not a, uh, a congregation of people. It wasn't necessarily a market. It was you doing it because you wanted to be in contribution with your brother. Yeah. So that's like, I'm serving him and then he's serving like a much bigger community through, through me. So it's almost like, uh, you know, like, like a, like a pastor, right? Like he's doing it for uh, someone, but, but Christ, he's doing it through Christ. And so it's like all this craziness that you can play with that. I mean, so when you guys are thinking about that, listening to the podcast, watching- Trey, give me one second. Somebody's hearing my dogs are going crazy. So sorry that we're in the middle of this. 
I'll keep these guys entertained. You fill the space. I'll fill the space. You guys know this. So the big, so the biggest thing while Alex is gone is you know finding the people who you want to serve. I think I think he nailed it really really easily there. It's like okay, who 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 do I feel the most close to? Is it uh, you know like um, helping children, helping people who uh, foster kids? Is it helping uh, you know people? people that are in need? Is it something that you can help with like suffering moms or is it people who are looking to lose weight? Like there's so many different passions out there and there's so many people that are looking to be served. Like it's ridiculous, especially like an Alex's spot, right? Like you found, you have found entrepreneurs that you were serving and you found your purpose through that. So, you know, I think when I look at it, Dre, or, uh, when I look at it, Dre, it's, it's like the person you're going to serve is probably someone very close to you. Mm-hmm. I look at I look at the mastermind you lead, and it's you know you're leading people who who are very very close to you, mm-hmm. and and uh, for for any of us, you know it's it's going to be you're solving a problem, you're creating a product, you're doing something to help really yourself first. Like let's be really clear, Mark Zuckerberg was a nerd, totally he had a hard time at Harvard. He created a site where you could tell who was living in what dorm, and he yeah. at least had data on the school. Right? I mean. <laughs> By the way, that was the original site. Facebook was like one of the worst ideas in all time of history, but um, it succeeded because he's like, hey, serve this population. And basically, let's be really clear. It was serve the nerds at each college campus until it became let's serve everybody who wants to communicate on, on, you know, on, on the planet. But yes. the fact is it started with a .edu address, and the only people who adopted Facebook were early adopter nerds. Zuckerberg helped himself into the largest IPO in the history of man. And, and anyone who wants to argue that, look at the history of Facebook and tell me I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Dude, that, it's, it's huge. It's huge. So I, we are at our time uh, for this call. So I want to hit a couple things uh, right as we end here. So this has been freaking fantastic, uh, I, I, as I knew it would be, hmm. because you're amazing. And you have so much knowledge, like it's ridiculous. So what we're going to do is, Alex, uh, for the next... 30 minutes, I'm going to take you into our VIP masterclass calls. And I want you to talk about um, your previous success and, and what went awry. And then I want to talk about what you know about hydration. So I want you to go in deeper in that because you mentioned like some of the biggest success, successful people out there, they studied hydration, they studied breathing. So I think I, you know, like way more than people think like there's so much secrets into that. It's amazing. <laughs> and then I also want to hit off the two biographies that out of the thousand that you read, I want to, I want to hit on the top two that you find the most intriguing and the most uh, interesting and educational. And the biggest thing is, is to hit more on the evolution hunter. So uh, guys, I appreciate you uh, being with us today on commerce Kings podcast uh, episode number two with Alex Sharfman. This has been absolutely amazing. Your takeaways are absurd and guys go out and be a hunter. You know, go out and, and be in, and, and like Alex said, like your closing words as always are, you're not alone. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with you and you are not alone. Thanks a million, Trey. Thanks guys. See you on next, uh, next podcast.